If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Look, it's something that I really uh, appreciate from you, and it's um, it's been a heck of a journey for me, and you've been there each and every step of the way. So, thank you for that. So today, we, let's let's talk about you know we we've got complete destruction and mayhem in our nation. We have complete chaos. And the chaos is being perpetrated by people who intentionally want this. Now, I want to pause there. I've been, I've spent a lot of time, in fact, last night our newsletter went out. And I, I think it's appropriate to differentiate between the, the, the groups of people involved. And one of the groups... One of the groups of people is obviously the genuine, sincere protesters. I'm talking about actual protesters who aren't creating violence and riots. I'm talking about those who are genuinely concerned for their safety, for the safety of people detained by the police, and specifically for people of color detained by the police. And as I wrote last night, I think that one of the things we can do in this area, I think that there's a lot of opportunity for for conservatives and Democrats. I'm not talking about radicals. I'm not talking about the ones throwing uh, Molotov cocktails around. I'm not talking about those who try to rig ATM machines with explosives or whatever else has been happening out there. I'm talking about those there, – there is a larger degree of agreement, I think, if we can communicate and understand. I think it starts with understanding. You know, I wrote in our newsletter last night I'm from, the, you know, from the perspective of a, you know, a white Midwestern conservative talk show host. And I think the first thing we need to under, we need to do when understanding the viewpoint of someone else, and this goes for any any issue. You know, we don't, it doesn't mean we have to agree. I think we need to parse this. You know, there are people who just have different viewpoints, experiences, perspectives, concerns, who still love their country, who still believe uh, the foundational principles. You know, politics aside, people just because people are voting. Um, a certain direction doesn't mean that they're buying into all the narrative of that political party. There may be one key issue that they believe that that person's right in, that party's correct in, and that's the reason that they 
cast their vote that direction. And so if we want to move the needle, to me, it's all about moving the needle. To me, it's all about trying to advance the cause of constitutional conservatism, to advance the cause of liberty, to make sure that our government is operating within the proper constraints, you know, the, the limited government it's supposed to be, not this large, out-of-control bureaucratic state um, that candidly is you know, just, just an utter disaster and, and mess on, on so many levels. Corruption, uh, power, authority, dictates from governors that cause unnecessary harm to businesses in their respective states and communities during the COVID crisis, all this kind of stuff. And so it's important that we move towards back towards a limited government where we embrace liberty. And when I say that, I mean that for all people of all colors, of all creeds, of all races, of all sexual orientations and genders. I mean humanity. I mean humanity. And so it's important that in order – I think that there's more agreement between average normal people on both sides – um, than some people want us to believe. It's just that we can't get there because I think sometimes there's misunderstandings and miscommunication. And candidly, sometimes I think it's it may have been we, we hold some responsibility. Maybe not personally, but maybe you know the can some definitely sometimes I think for for some of us personally because we didn't handle a situation properly or whatever. But the, the movement as a whole. Sometimes, you know, we're so used to hearing narratives that are not accurate or true. I think sometimes we miss being able to hear the legitimate concerns without without passing judgment. And this is what I wrote wrote about last night, if you're a subscriber to the newsletter. Just, you know, just, just to hear the perspective of those who have beliefs, you know, concerns, concerns about law enforcement abusing their power, especially – um, as it pertains to, uh, as it pertains to black Americans in their custody. Now, you can do this without agreeing. You can do this without saying that you believe that all cops, uh, all law enforcement officers, are, are racist. I mean, that's. It's just we have to understand. I think once once you truly, we truly try to seek to understand. And I've had conversations like this with folks. In fact, I'm thinking of inviting someone in particular to the program who I had this type of conversation with uh, back six months ago. You know, we, we could agree in general, but on specifics, we didn't see eye to eye. But I think, I think he knew that I, you know, I'm not in favor of the things that are being accused. I'm just saying that sometimes or many times, I don't need to quantify, but that's sometimes that's not actually what happened. I think it's important to understand people who have that genuine concern and fear without judging, without without pointing out that police uh, use force against white suspects, without pointing out that there have been instances where the allegations claimed against the officers were completely false, without getting into specifics, just listening, just trying to understand as a human being. And I think if we did that, and I know some of you do, and I'm not saying that this is – I just think that we need more of it. 
right? I think we need more more of it. And once once you seek to truly understand and, and show empathy and to, to see what it's like, you, you see me heard me on this program. Look, I'm a I'm a staunch supporter of law enforcement in general. If someone is abusing their power, if someone is you know acting out outside the confines of the law, someone is acting arrogantly, self righteously, you know, whatever it is, racist. I mean, those things I, you know, obviously am against. Uh, but I believe that's not the case for the vast, vast, vast majority of officers. When it is, if it is, something needs to be done. There needs to be consequences for the officer. I think that this is universally agreed upon. And there becomes, because of, because of the intentional way of conflating the issue, People want to – this is why I want to get into protesters at the beginning and just kind of talk through this. But the rioters, some people still want to conflate these, like this reporter at PBS who literally takes a picture of someone spray-painting the anarchist symbol on a monument. And then she writes a story or defends or I guess pushes back against Trump when he claims that anarchists are hijacking the uh, these these rallies and turning them into to violent – protest she pushes back on that literally having just taken a picture of someone spray painting the the symbol of anarchy on a monument or a wall or some such thing and i think it was in dc and so there's two groups but one of these groups one of these groups the genuine protesters we need to we need to try to understand we need them to understand that we don't want this this stuff either and I think once we – and I've, I've experienced it personally anyway, where once they understand that you're not just pushing back with – not listening to the perspective or understanding the depth of the, the issue from you know where they stand or see it through their, through their eyes. I've said on this program before, if you're someone who's grown up in an inner city community, maybe an inner city black community, and your only encounter with law enforcement – and not, look, this is not intended at all to be an insult or criticism of law enforcement because they're trying to enforce the laws of, in, in the community. They're trying to get the dangerous, violent people under arrest right? when they're perpetrating crimes or in the, the, the wake of having perpetrated a crime, allegedly. They they come in to try to, to – apprehend this person and bring this person to justice. And so, but the the reality is if the only encounter that someone in a community has with law enforcement, if it involves, you know, arrests and violence, potentially, right? Maybe someone's resisting arrest. Maybe they have to use force. Maybe someone's on drugs and they have to you know, some of those folks that are on drugs have the strength of many, many men, and it takes many, many officers to subdue them. There's danger there. You know, some of these officers, and I'll, we'll get into this with Antifa in a bit, but some of these folks, uh, the, the threats are much greater than the average American, I think, knows because the media doesn't talk about this. I've talked with several officers about some things, and this, this is – what they're dealing with is really, really atrocious and bad. It's dangerous. It's inexcusable. It's wicked. It's evil. And we're talking this coming from the rioters, those who are trying to politically benefit from the chaos and the mess. And there are certainly those people. 
But there's also certainly the genuine protesters, people who are genuinely concerned, fearful. And going back to the example of those that maybe lived in an African-American inner city community, and the only encounter they saw with law enforcement was, you know, when they came to apprehend someone, uh, you know, maybe there was general violence in their community. Maybe, maybe people saw police being shot at. Maybe, you know, who knows, any number of things. It's understandable because we're dealing, you know, you're dealing with young people, maybe who can't really, you know, in, in my example, you're, you're dealing with a kid that's grown up through, through this and seen this. They don't necessarily understand that the folks that are doing that are simply trying to protect them. You know, they may know that this guy is, you know, this guy's their uncle or dad or cousin or whatever that they see getting arrested, who they see resisting. And, you know, heck, maybe some of them feel like they need to protect him from the police. I'm not trying to justify all this. I'm just simply saying that it certainly can create a perspective where we can understand even if the officers did nothing wrong and of course if then if one officer does something blatantly wrong in in one of those encounters then of course it can get it can get magnified and so i just think we have to understand that without feeling like we have to abandon our desire to protect the police defend those officers like officer wilson in Ferguson, Missouri, who was clearly that that what happened there to him was such an egregious example of deceit, deception. Uh, this whole narrative that came out of that, the guy was defending himself without question in the final analysis. It's not at all what they painted this to be. Some kid walking down the street sees a cop, puts his hands up, and says, "Don't shoot!" An officer Wilson unloads on him. That's not what happened. And that doesn't need to be compared to this because this situation with, with George Floyd. And these things get conflated, and I would maintain intentionally so. Intentionally so. Some people some people not. They just, you know, they the details are lost. They just see the list of names or pictures, and they remember parts of the story. And it just gets conflated and confused with everything else. But I think we need to spend genuine time with those we know trying to understand this. Now, I'm not talking about the rioters. I'm looking I'm looking uh, at some stuff now. Well, this is problematic uh, for, for law enforcement even, this particular incident, what I'm watching here. But there's just all this, this tension. And we, of course, don't necessarily want to agree with the false allegations and um, all of that, but we need to understand that there's legitimate fear and concern and uncertainty amongst some folks, and we need to understand that. And we they need to know that we don't want this to happen. We don't want this to be the case. We want law enforcement officers to be able to do their job without fear of taking lawful, defensible actions and then facing criminal charges and consequences. I'm not suggesting that's what happened in George Floyd. I'm just talking with George Floyd. I'm talking about the entire entirety of this argument. And likewise, we want people when they are detained to not have to be uh, for, for the situation to end in someone being physically harmed unnecessarily or um, you know illegally and of course killed. We don't we want to prevent against that as well, there's two sides to this coin, and 
this uh, this response that we're seeing, this response that we're seeing here across uh, across the nation, the, the riots are not part of that. The riots are not part of that. So this that's what I want to say about the protester side. We need to seek to understand. And then once we do, I think we get a little bit more leeway in sharing maybe the law enforcement side, although that's certainly some cases where there's nothing uh, it, it's again cut and dry outside of you know the law enforcement officer was clearly to blame, and then that just needs to work through the court system and and see what the the, the criminal justice system can prove beyond a reasonable doubt in those uh, in those particular cases. But I think both sides can come into agreement on this if we if we handled it a little bit. Better and again, I'm not including the rioters. I want to be clear. That's a complete. Those those folks are unhinged. We're going to talk about that. Out of control. They have political objectives. Uh, they have personal desires to get stuff for free. Whatever the case may be, there's maybe even subgroups of of rioters, and we'll talk about that when we get back. And I've got this here: revol, uh, revolutionary abolitionist movement. Ten points of action. I want to go through this. If you're on, if you're on Facebook, you can look at what I'm holding up here now. Um, we're going to go through this. It's uh, really scary stuff. We're literally looking at an organized coup of the United States. Now, obviously, it's uh, it's the Antifa movement that's I'm not suggesting it's going to succeed, but this is what we're looking at, a full open rebellion and coup d'etat being formed here to overthrow the United States government. And that's who's out in, in many respects and doing the rioting in these cities. And that's just scratching the surface. We're dealing with some really reprehensible punks and perpetrators of evil out there. So long, long, long in this segment. Got to get back. I got to take a break and get back. We'll continue this conversation. You're listening to the home of conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. gone through and this is gonna be a shorter segment because i was really long-winded last segment but now that we've gone through the part of this you know defending or explaining the protester side the peaceful protester side those who simply want um you know justice in situations those who want to you know they believe that there's a larger systemic problem and so forth. Um, I've addressed that. I think that there's more agreement with those folks and those uh, conservatives who also want that, but you know, focus on the the side of law enforcement officers and protecting them as well. I want I want to speak specifically to law enforcement officers. I had someone share this with me yesterday. Share this with me yesterday. Um, this is in the past few days. I don't know. At the time this was written, it was written, it said in the last 96 hours. In the last 96 hours, a Milwaukee police officer was shot in the foot. A Las Vegas metropolitan police officer was shot in the back of the head while struggling with a rioter. An active shooter opened fire on law enforcement at a Las Vegas courthouse. Four St. Louis police officers were shot by an active shooter. 
A New York police officer was struck by a vehicle. Three Buffalo law enforcement officers were struck by a vehicle in front of the police station. Three Davenport law enforcement officers were ambushed and one was shot. 132 officers were injured in Chicago during a riot. Nine Pittsburgh officers were injured by objects during a riot. Several officers in Rhode Island were were injured during riots. An active shooter opened fire at the Oakland Police Department. Two officials were struck in the head with projectiles in Santa Ana. Two Richland officers were shot in Virginia. One officer was struck in the head by a brick in Albany. Four Prince William County police officers sustained head injuries from projectiles. Seven officers were injured in Sacramento. Several officers were shot at and injured in Lynchburg. Let me pause and say there that there's, from what I've heard, also a lot of shooting happening, a lot of shooting happening, even outside of these downtown areas. In fact, the tactics have changed. You've heard reports. You've heard reports of uh, Antifa wanting to move further outside the downtown areas, the city, uh, the cities, and move into suburbia, um, where they can target, you know, families who aren't downtown. Of course, families. I've got this stupid ten points of action thing here. We'll we'll get into this. This is what Antifa and the radical anarchists are. Trying to this is this is the beginning of their of their coup, folks, to overthrow the government. But but shooting at law enforcement officers right now, from what I understand, is is happening in really numbers that are unreportable. There's so many, it's so frequent. It's it's and I'm not. Don't misunderstand. I'm not saying it's not worthy of – I'm not suggesting it is not worthy of reporting. I'm simply saying that it's not even getting into the into the news, and it's happening with, with frequency, uh, such a high degree of frequency in certain places anyway, um, that officers are – I mean it's – I don't want to say they're becoming numb to it, but it's, it's becoming part of the routine at times in the wake of all this um, – Violence that we're experiencing around around the country. So let's get back to this. Um, several Champaign police officers were injured. Three Oakland, excuse me, Oaklawn uh, police officers were injured. Twenty one were injured in Salt Lake City. At least fifty Secret Service agents were injured by Molotov cocktails in Washington. Three police officers were ran over by a vehicle that was in Denver. 33 New York police officers were injured during riots. Six Athens police officers injured during a protest. Two Capitol police officers were injured during a riot in Harrisburg. Twelve Las Vegas metropolitan police officers were injured during riots. 21 Minneapolis law enforcement officers injured in riots. One Federal Protective Services officer was shot and killed. One Atlanta police motorman was run down and fighting for his life. One pregnant APD sergeant working the desk was shot at by multiple rioters missing her head by inches. And this also says this doesn't even mention numerous other cities where officers sustained injuries from riots. So that's that's the other side of this coin. Is this what we want? Of course not. And I would maintain 
that those who want, I mean, it's obvious. It is completely obvious to any fair-minded person, even those who have concerns. I'm talking about the peaceful protesters, those even who have strong feelings about some of the things happening or some of the things they've seen on video from law enforcement officers, those who uh, believe that there's a problem between law enforcement and and black Americans, black suspects, that, meaning that there's a rampant larger problem. They, The vast majority of those folks don't believe that what I just read off is a good thing or justifiable. For the folks that do, for the folks that do believe that, they've moved into a rider's mentality. They've, they've crossed the line between trying to solve a problem because, look, those of us who defend law enforcement want to give them the benefit of the doubt, don't want them to be, so to speak, victims of uh, face legal consequences because we've not given them a fair trial because of a, of a video. Even the case with uh, the officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, however I say that, just because just because there's really a lot of video evidence that there's a lot of problems with does not mean he should not get a fair trial, does not mean that he should not have, uh, he should be presumed innocent heading into that trial by that jury of his peers, if that's in fact where this ends up. And that is, we need to maintain all of these things. There's, there's those of us who want justice, I think they're on both sides. They're not the rioters. I want to make that clear. These folks want something else, and we'll get into that. But there's people on both sides. There's people who believe there's a systemic problem, who you can reason with, who we can ration, you know, we we can we can reason with. They don't want to see this result either. But then there's the the rioters. We got to we got to deal with those folks differently. That's where Trump is absolutely right. The cities, the governors in particular, need to clean this stuff up immediately. No more. This is this is inexcusable, violent, reprehensible stuff. So I want to continue this conversation. We'll talk about this more when we get back, but I'm again long in this segment. So I'm going to have to make up some time here on the back half of the show. My apologies for that. Just have a lot to get to, a lot on my mind, a lot on your mind as well. So going to stop and take a time out, continue when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I am your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So, um, appreciate hearing from those of you on on Facebook, um, specifically talking about that list that I read off, and I I'm not gonna say who shared that with me, um, and I I just I want to be careful here because some of the things I want to say, some of the things I want to say and share with you, I just have to. I have to uh, – what's the word I want to say here? Just just be cautious in how I say it because some of this pertains to the safety of law enforcement officers. And so I want to speak in general terms about that because these people that – I'm holding this sheet up here. I'm not talking about protesters. 
Okay? Someone's listening, misunderstanding what I'm saying. Deliberately. Yeah, it has to be deliberately at this point because I've said this 59 times. I'm not talking about protesters. I'm talking about rioters. I'm talking about those who are seeking things like this. I'm going to read from this list. Revolutionary abolitionist movement, 10 points of action. When you see your Antifa thugs out there in the streets, starting fires, throwing bricks, dancing on cop cars, assaulting people, looting. I don't differentiate, by the way, between rioters and looters. I've seen some people do that. Riot look it's it's all one and the same. It's like it's 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 as though the people some people may not want to get directly involved in the violence, the busting of the window, but they think, well, I'll just run through and take something because I guess I can. It's justifiable. Nonsense. Nonsense. That's all one and the same thing. It's all interconnected. But let me let me read this. Let me read this. This this is these are the people that we're supposed to act like either don't exist or not or who are not as violent as they really are. Here's what here's what their plan is. You ready for this? Number one, liberation will be won by any means necessary. You know, when I was in Washington, DC, American University, nineteen ninety nine. That's right. 1999. Some people are born, you listen to this program, weren't even born then. But 1999, I attended American University. It was a semester program. It was a pre-law program. And I distinct, I was, I was thinking about going to law school. Not that there's anything wrong with law school. Um, I could insert an attorney joke here, but I will not do that for the sake of time. But um, I decided, I, I heard one of the attorneys came to our class and it was a really cool class. I loved the class. We had some great experiences there in D.C. Um, but he came to our class, and we were asking him questions. And he said, I'll do anything to get my client off. And I appreciate, in a sense, uh, you know, whatever your profession, to say if someone hires me, I'm going to do anything within my power to you know, help them and to solve their problem. But, right? but when someone says anything like wink, wink, like yeah, that was definitely the feeling of this. I'll do anything, wink, wink, anything I can. Like the the the, it seemed to to suggest he would do anything, whether it was legal, illegal, moral, immoral, ethical, unethical, didn't matter. And that's and that's what they're saying here. Any means necessary. Emphasis on any means. That's what we're seeing here. These these are the means that they've chosen. Number two. Oh, you got to love this one. We will destroy the state, police, military, corporations, and all those who run the American plantation. That's number two on their list. I mean, you think of, you think of the starting premise that people have, the mindset, the belief, the viewpoint they have of America to write this. That's point number two. <laughs> number two is they're going to destroy the state, the, the state, the police, the military corporations and all those who run the American plantation, which, by the way, you'll find out includes uh, someone who even owns uh, land or who is a business owner. So congratulations for contributing to what the revolutionary abolitionist movement would call the American plantation. I got I got to take a break here. We just scratched the surface on this. But you know where these you know where these ideas are, are, I don't know, fostered. These ideas are embraced not all the time but in many cases this is the kind of crap 
the thought that goes into this, the background, the beliefs, the viewpoint of America that exists happens way too often, way too often in some some of our educational institutions, higher education, colleges around this country, radical professors. I'm not blaming them for this, but they, they teach some of these radical ideas as fact so much. They ignore a lot of American history, the the blessings and the good things of this country has been, currently is, um, and, and, and will be. They ignore all that to push a narrative of basically that America sucks and America is terrible and America is to be blamed for all the world's ills. And suddenly now we have people who've taken this to the extreme. So I'm not directly blaming them, but that the, the bad things that they've said about America for so long has led radical groups to say, well, Heck, we've got to do whatever we can to overthrow this by any means necessary, and that includes destroying destroying folks, the police, the state, the military, corporations, and all those who run the American plantation. There's eight more points on this that I'm going to try to get to this hour, trying to paint the picture of who we're dealing with. I want to talk about police safety, the issue of, of, of maintaining law and order and protecting those who are standing on the front lines as well, and this crap – this wicked evil needs to be exposed and stopped for what it is. This, when you see the looters wearing the mask, I'm looking at people beating up some dude on the ground now. Just peaceful protesters, I guess, in the minds of the media. Anyway, I'm watching Fox News in the background. Such a cheap shot. What are they doing? Trying to, it's just reprehensible and crazy. This crap's defended. And I gotta take a break. Long again in this segment. Doing my best here, folks. Be back in just a minute. So we've separated consistently throughout this program those who want to peacefully protest, those who, you know, I think we can find, a, you know, agreement and common ground with and work through some of this, um, you know, the folks who believe that there's a systemic problem with law enforcement, uh, I think that if we are empathetic and understand their perspective and where they're coming from, um, I think that there's more that we can agree upon than maybe many people think. This the, the protesters are not, again, the problem. The problem are those who are using this as justification to burn the cities down, to loot, to riot. And I'm telling you this, again, if you're on Facebook, my page is a little bit wrinkled here but this this 10 i'm going to post this on facebook there are 10 points of action revolutionary abolitionist movement staging a coup against our government by the way antifa being i think the the brand here the brand of the revolutionary abolitionist movement that um that we most uh, you know understand and identify with Clearly, clearly a domestic terrorist organization. There's there's not any question about this. I mean, read this manifesto or this these 10 points of action here. I'm on number three. We will live with dignity in a world without prisons. There will be no prisons in the world 
after the revolutionary abolitionist movement destroys, and that's what you'll see here, kills America. That's point number 10, so hang on. These continue to get – they're just fantastic. Number four, systems of punishment will be abolished. There will be no law to enforce, no money to protect. So there's going to be no laws. There's going to be no money. And since there's no money or laws or effectively property, which we'll see in this list of stupidity as well, um, there's not going to be a there's not going to be no there'll be no need for laws because what is there to protect? Now you may be out there saying, Todd, this sounds like the purge, and this sounds like a, a you know how to cause. The movie The Purge to be reality in your neighborhood. And you know what? That this is. In fact, uh, I was with someone yesterday and she, when I read her this, that's what she told me. She's like, that sounds like the movie The Purge. Now, I'm not seeing it. I'm familiar with the idea, the concept. I know what it's, you know, what it's about. But she told me I should watch both. I said, there's probably 0% chance of that happening. Perhaps I could watch one. It's not my thing. But anyway. I'm going to continue with this. I'm going to take a break here in just a minute. Point five, revolutionary justice. Revol- I love any time we use the word justice with some other disclaimer, like some other qualifier or identifier. It's just, look, look let's just focus on justice. Wait, revolutionary justice, whatever that means, will be determined by those who are oppressed. Revolutionary justice will be uh, determined by those who are oppressed. So I I don't know. How do we determine who is oppressed? Um, I I don't know, especially when there's no government or no uh, centralized decision makers here. I guess we just – I mean I don't – this is complete chaotic nonsense. One more here, point number six. I'll get into this in the the next hour, which, by the way, we'll stream on YouTube. You can join us there for free. Just search the Todd Huff Show on YouTube. Point six, there will be no government. No person or group will have power over another. Look, I'm I'm a proponent of limited government, not of the idea of no government. Governments must exist this side of heaven, folks. By the way, this sounds like pure hell that they're endorsing here, the revolutionary abolitionist movement. Anyway, crazy stuff. But when you look at who's rioting, when you look at who's wearing the mask, throwing the bricks, starting the fires, dancing on the cop cars, great chance that it's this group of people. This is the motivation. This is the ideology. These are the beliefs. And I'm going to take a break. Continue and wrap up here. Hour number one when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Trying to get too much done here behind the scenes and also trying to get too much, squeeze too much into this first hour as we're in the waning moments of hour number one. We will continue this conversation, hour number two of the Todd Huff Show on YouTube. On YouTube, all you have to do is go to uh, YouTube and search the Todd Huff Show. If you're a newsletter subscriber, you can click the link that says subscribe to our YouTube channel, and it'll take you right to our YouTube page, I believe, is where that takes you. So 
Anyway, that's where we're going to continue this conversation. But again, two distinct groups of people, separate groups of people, protesters and rioters. Rioters are fueled by this nonsense, this abolitionist stuff. Guys, I've got to go see an hour to SDG.